Locked on Steelers is back, and we're going to go over our week nine grade stars and skulls. But we got to talk about these rookies. Are they living up to the hype? I think they are. We'll talk about that and where Broderick Jones should start. It's Alan Saunders here with Chris, with myself, Chris Carter, here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on your favorite podcasting apps and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes. We thank you for making us your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. As I said before, we're joined by the man, Alan Saunders. He's back on the show from SteelersNow.com. Get all of his stuff there. Um, Alan, you got to talk about these rookies because we there was a lot of uh, we were part of it. There was a lot of hype on this rookie class coming into this season, trading up to get Broderick Jones, who I personally had as my top offensive tackle, finding a way to get Joey Porter Jr., who has one of my top three cornerbacks in this in this draft class, finding a way to get Darnell Washington, a guy who I thought might go in the first round uh, with, with, his, with his talent skills, finding a way to get Keanu Benton, who I was like, man, if they find a way to get Joey Porter Jr. or Broderick Jones, there's no way they can get Keanu Benton. And they got all four, and that's not even including Nick Herbig. They got all these guys, and... There, there was always speculation, okay, will this class live up to the hype? There's a lot of excitement. Maybe if one or two guys hit, it'll be fine. But early on, this is now two starts for Broderick Jones. I think he's looked very good in, in both of them. Joey Porter Jr. continues to look like a really good cornerback whenever they they ask him to be out there. Keanu Benton looks like an asset in the defensive line. Darnell Washington, he's got two tar- two throws, and when he catches when they throw it to him, he catches the ball and gets a first down. Um, and even Nick Herbig. He's forcing fumbles and getting after people out there. Is this a is this an illusion of a small sample size, or do you think we're seeing really good things from the Steelers rookie class? Yes, <laughs> of course. I think it's you know this is one of those things where you can already see. Let me just reiterate what you said. All okay. of those guys are playing great when they're asked to play for their expectations and just overall. Broderick Jones has looked like a startable tackle in the NFL. Joey Porter Jr. has looked like a startable corner in the NFL. Darnell Washington, Nick Herbig look at least like guys that could play in the NFL right now and, and not just in the future. But I think it is, if you're looking closely, if you're paying careful attention, you can already see the reasons that you're not seeing like way more and more for those guys. Like it is going to be a process that is going to require patience. And it's not always about, Hey, let's just give these guys all they can handle right away. Right now. Everything, everything, go, go, go. That's not what's best for the team. And you can see where Mike Tomlin has in some instances kind of, Bumped up against the like we've seen some problems with Joey Porter Jr. in zone coverage. We've mm-hmm. seen some problems with Joey Porter Jr. and being a little bit hands. Okay. It almost really bit the Steelers on Thursday night when he takes a penalty on fourth down 
what should have ended the game didn't. Okay. And so you can see those things. If, if those things that we saw two penalties from Broderick Jones in that game, another one, although I have to admit, did not see a penalty when I went back and looked at, at the video. So I don't know what that was the thing. Was. I still haven't seen maybe that. said something. That's the only thing I can see. Um, but uh Two penalties for Roderick Jones, three penalties for George Board Jr. in that game, by the way. Five penalties for these rookies. So, look, they're going to be good. And there's every reason to have every bit of excitement now that we had about this draft class in April. But that doesn't mean that they all need to drink from the fire hose right now in terms of <laughs> reps, okay? Like, it can be parceled out in ways to keep them having success and, and keep going forward step by step. Uh, that's where I'm at too, because I do feel like the Steelers are in a position right now where at corner, I think you, you need Joey Porter Jr. It's not even a question anymore. You, you need him to be on the field. Offensive tackle, honestly, I think they kind of do too. Um, but at the same time, you have other veterans that gave you time to buffer these guys into those positions. And I'm not saying that these guys are all stars right now, but I think they're playing well. And, and very well. And like I, I go back to the, you know, like the 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 Broderick Jones penalty. I still don't see what he did on the on, on the kick there that they penalized him for. Um, Joy Porter Jr. I mean, sure he got handsy on that fourth down play, but like I thought that was a very soft call on on, on their parts there. Well, now when I saw on the all twenty two, you can see it. He just gets a handful of jersey mm-hmm. and and gives him a good pull, like in a, in an obvious way that like. From the broadcast angle, you really couldn't see, but from the opposite angle, you can see it. I mean, it's just just a whole fistful. See, of shirt. I, and, and I and saw like, that, but but I also saw like called. But it, it, sure, but I also saw pushing off on the offensive side too, and I thought that that was where I was kind of like, you know, like that. That's where I like on the back and forth of, of of things. If we if you called if we're calling defensive one side, you got to call offensive another, and if both are just fighting it, fighting it out, get, let them do it. When you get bodies together, I think there's mm. expectations of pushing and shoving. When you reach out though, mm. and you're and you're not connected to a guy, and you grab him, like that's a, that's getting called. Like I, I thought that was a good call. But like I just think, look, those there's going to be growing pains when when you turn to young guys, and sometimes growing pains turn into losses and and and, and other negativity for your team, and you got to be in a position to find ways to mitigate that. I think they've done a good job of that at corner. I'll be very interested to see what happens here at tackle because I think I see a lot of good stuff from Broderick Jones when he's played. I I think like, I just don't know what the right answer is in terms of where he goes, who plays and who doesn't. What's the best fit to make the team work? I'm not sure I have a great answer to that question right now. Like I feel like he's been at least as good as the guys he's replaced. I, I just don't know what the what the best best five is at this moment. That's a great question. What is the best five? I guess that's my big question is where do you put Broderick Jones if you're the Steelers right now? Because here, here's my thing. I didn't understand when he played well against the Ravens and this is your first round pick and they brought it back in Dan Moore Jr. And I'm like, man, Dan Moore Jr., I don't make sense of this. Then the Rams games happens. Dan Moore Jr. is pretty decent. And I'm like, all right, so I guess this is fine. But then the Jaguars game happens, and I'm like, no, he needs to get back out there. And then we then we see him out there. I thought he looked pretty good. And now you're back to this to, to this to this square where you're saying, all right, D- 
do they put him back out? Do, do they put troops back out there and 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 see what like is that still the plan? Because I guarantee you, if they if they if they do put the both those both the starting tackles out there and Broderick Jones is on the bench this week, there'll be a lot of noise about it, and there'll be a lot of talk about it. And I think rightfully so because to me, Broderick Jones needs is is, is your future. Like he's he's a very big part of it. You want him to develop, and I'm not saying just throw him to the wolves, but I think that you have carefully cultivated his growth into getting the starting reps on, on this roster. And I think everyone can see that he's the future on the team. Give him the shot. Um, and I, I got to be honest, you know, I look at I look at both the offensive tackles. I think that Dan Moore Jr., even in this last game where they where they where the offensive line played pretty well, we'll get to our grades in a minute here on, on this game. I still think Dan Moore Jr. has been struggling the, the you know more than troops has this season i think that's the big i think that's the biggest thing that the steelers need to address there but i also understand that broderick jones rawest thing is is his pass pro and and, and getting back to the right spot and using his, his length the right ways and in the wrong spot that could get kenny pickett in trouble so i kind of get having that veteran presence back there who can understand the calls and make less big mistakes that way but man i i think it's it's tough to argue against the idea of playing this guy who you traded up to get and has looked more than solid in both the starts that you've called upon him. Yeah, I think he should probably play. I thought he should have kept playing after the first game too. Mm -hmm. I kind of am starting to think, though, that right tackle might be a better option right now for him than left tackle Mm -hmm. Um, just because – it does take away some of that negativity. Like, like I was talking about, like if he does make a big, bad mistake and you look at that Ravens game, he only gives up one pressure, but the one pressure is one of those, like, no, no, never. No, you can't get beat inside as a left tackle mistakes that like, it's a good thing. That was Jadavian Clowney and not miles Garrett, because it was miles Garrett. There'd be pieces of Kenny Pickett on the turf. (laughs) Like that's like, that's, like there, there, and so maybe a right tackle. You feel like it, it could, it could prevent, pre, you know, present a little bit of a, a cushion for for a young guy. And also, I think, you know, I, they need to run the ball better than they have. And and I think that is the biggest issue with the way the offensive line has played. They've protected Pickett, okay. It hasn't been great, but they haven't run the ball well at all. And and, and I think the upgrade from Broderick from Chooks to Broderick in run game is significant. So there's a real, like there's a real advantage to go along with like, okay, maybe there's going to be some negativity here, but I think it balances out better when you're saying like, Oh, we're going to get a lot better run blocker on the field by doing it this way. And then maybe if he makes a mistake, at least it's in front of Kenny and he can continue to develop and grow as a, as a first round draft pick. I think that kind of makes a little bit more sense to me right now. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll get to other rookies like Keanu Benton in the next segment because we're going to get to our Stars and Skulls grades, baby. But before we do any of that, stick with us. we still got so much to discuss here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. But first, we got to remind you, this show is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business and you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. That's where LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach to your network and beyond. 
to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors today. Go to LinkedIn, go, go to get LinkedIn jobs, take advantage of their services right there, and you can visit them and post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We, we're here with Alan Saunders from SteelersNow.com. Alan, it's been a minute since we had you on on the right day to have the grades, right? You know, the other week I had plumber problems and then the, – Because, uh, you know, week. you got the jobs out there. You know who doesn't need a job is is us because uh, <laughs> we started this conversation about the rookies uh, when we were on Final Word, and now we're going to continue it here, and then maybe we'll find out what's happening with Broderick Jones – in time for you to talk about it on Steelers Afternoon Drive yeah. on Wednesday. We just make this like a all the way across the th- three <laughs> media platform conversation. I don't need another one. I'm sure you don't either. We're good. Tapped out. Trust me, we are we are tapped out on the jobs here. But let's get to let's get to how these guys performed in their jobs. As always, we go to our stars and skulls rubric. Uh, remember, stars are good, skulls are bad. One star means a good play with a good day. Two stars, great play with a good day. Three stars, an elite performance, like putting you in the Pro Bowl, all pro conversations. Uh, skulls, similarly, one skull, you had a bad play without redemption. Two skulls means you had a bad game as a whole. Three skulls, you were all time terrible. Now, um, I also balance it out because if you make good plays and bad plays, then it kind of just, they kind of start to cancel each other out. And then we kind of go with whatever grade that you get here. So let's start with the skulls. And I actually only have one skulls this week. Uh, I don't have any two or three skull players, but I have three. And my three are Darius Rush in his first action with the Steelers. Uh, I think that he had a good breakup at the end of the game, but he had a really big miscommunication earlier in the game. And if he gets that interception in the game, I got I got no no gripes with him. But I thought the miscommunication was rough. Still, I think that it, you, you saw some promise there with how he started to fit in with the, with the defense in the second half. Patrick Peterson, when you looked at his numbers as far as how many how many times he was targeted in this game and what he was giving up, he was the cornerback that uh, they were able to find the most success with with Will Levis when when they when you looked back and you saw the numbers that the Steelers are giving up. We'll get to the other guys. Uh, num- numbers in a bit here, but you know, just looking at how how he performed, it was pretty rough. I believe uh, he was targeted five times, gave up four catches for forty six yards. Um, you know, did did com- did did contribute a little bit there in in helping break up a pass. Uh, so that's why I didn't I wasn't too harsh on him, but uh, was could have been a little bit better. Also, I threw in George Pickens simply because he didn't get the toe tap down. This is this is regardless of any. Instagram conversations as far as what was posted or not posted or un- unfollowed or things like just that. Gonna, just going to DM George here and tell him. <laughs> Let him know that I gave him a skull. <laughs> I'm sure he'll take it. He'll take it well. But like, like, okay, all that aside, by the way, if, if you don't know it, it's the don't, don't dive into the George Pickens stuff. If you don't, if you don't, if you got, if you were got through your weekend without learning about George Pickens and Instagram, 
could pat yourself on the back and just never dive into it because it's the dumbest thing ever. And it's already been like disproven as anything important. But I do think that George Pickens lack of production where is worth a conversation, Alan. And I think that it's not as big a deal as some people are making it out to be. I think that it's actually more of a product of just the respect that he's been commanding uh, in the in the NFL. You look at this game of the Titans, there were a lot of plays where they were double teaming him. And I even brought this up to Kenny Pickett. You know, I asked him, you know, about George Pickens, and he brought up, hey, his double teams opened everything else up for it. It gave it gave Deontay one on ones. It gave Connor one on ones. It gave everyone else one on one, and it made it easier to run the ball. And this is part of the balance we've been looking to see from the Steelers offense, do you see any inherent problems with George Pickens right now? Or is this just part of the process the Steelers have to go through? I feel like it's a, it's a Steelers offense problem and not a George Pickens problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they're just not in a place where they're able, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, it's, I do this, you do that. I do this, you do that. That's how, that's how it works. Right. And the offense is always yeah. the initiator. Right. And, and so, you know, the Steelers had some success with George Pickens, right? On the, especially on the back shoulder. Like we saw it earlier this year. It was a thing they could rely on. They went to over and over again. And the defense has have seen that and said, ha ha, we're going to take that away from you, my friend. We are mm-hmm. going to take that away mm-hmm. from you. And we're going to make you do something else. And in order to get back to a place where they can reliably use George Pickens like that, they have to win enough with the something else to make teams back off that stance. And although they're hitting Deontay Johnson a lot underneath – I just don't think the offense as a whole has really made teams pay for double teaming George Pickens in a way that's going to get them to stop. Like they have to do something else right. that hurts just as bad as those daggers to Pickens did. Now, maybe we saw one that, that, that cover two whole shot down the sideline where Kenny hits Deontay Johnson. It's a big play, 30 some yard gain. Uh, we saw uh, like a 26 yarder from Najee Harris and like a 25 yarder from Jalen Warren in that game. If we see more of that, if we see more big plays from Pickett to Johnson, big runs from the running backs, and not just like completions, but big splash plays, that is going to get the attention of defensive coordinators, and that is going to make them back the pressure off of George Pickens and make them more evenly distribute the coverage, and that's going to bring him back into the equation. But until the Steelers can show that, they're not going to get other teams to change. I agree. That's part again, but that's part of the balance that we're talking about here. They teams now see, oh, okay, George Pickens will hurt us if they keep, if they keep throwing him the football. So we have to make him a limited option here. But now, if they start to say, okay, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren will hurt us, and Do- De- Deontay Johnson will hurt us, and now it's like crap. Now we got to pick a poison, and that's where good offenses are built. That's where again, that's where the killer bees came from. When teams had to realize, oh man, we can't just double Antonio Brown anymore. We got to worry about Le'Veon Bell, and then wait, Martavis Bryant is coming out of nowhere. Ah. Crap crap this team's actually balanced that's where good offenses come from that's where good and that's when good play calling actually starts to become a real factor because now you can play off of that and again something as i've pointed out here and on the final word i think part of what's been good for matt canada has been some of the play calls where he's had george pickens a line up on one side of the formation all by himself out wide and then it and then stacking up the receivers on the other side of the field in a way that forces the defense to say hey you still going to cover George? Because if you do, you're leaving these guys with a lot of space to work with. Not only does it do that, it makes the read really easy for Kenny Pickett. And yes. let's be honest, like he hasn't gotten them all right. And so anything you can do where you're, um, you're, you, oh, you can't possibly be double covering Deontay Johnson this play. And it's an easy read for Kenny. I think that's a win-win for the Steelers. So yeah, I mean, sometimes that's going to happen. Like George is going to sit there on an island. They're going to put two guys over there. 
I mean, Kenny's just going to go to the other side and know that there's going to be a play to be made, and that's going to have to be okay. Now, we've got to find a way to manage the personality. They've still got to find a way to keep George involved in the offense. Run him on some end arounds or get him lose movement to the slot. You know, find some ways to get him free as a part of what they're doing. But I don't have a problem with anything George is doing other than not getting his foot down. Like, I, he's playing fine. Yeah, exactly. Again, the, the one skull was just for the toe tap. That was it. Um, anyways, let's get to our one star grades. We got a lot of them Ooh. here. I got, oh. I, I, oh, we got some wows. For, we'll, we'll see about it's, this. So, what, what, what's up, Alan? It's just a lot of stars. It's a lot of stars. It's a, it's, a, it's a star-studded affair. It's a star-studded affair, and there's even there's even more where that came from in the next segment. But let's get to our one-star grades. I got Keanu Benton with the star because he was getting after the quarterback. Saw some really good plays from him. Najee Harris with the star. Uh, I thought he played. I thought he played well. Uh, ran hard. Four point three yards per carry. That touchdown was a good example of what happens when he actually has space to run. Uh, Darnell Washington. I thought that he was a he was a decent blocker. And the one time that they throw to him, he keeps getting first downs. I don't know why they, they don't at least try to give him more of those simple checkdowns where you could just use his size and athleticism to your advantage. Marcus Golden continued to get after it as a guy coming off the bench. It gave him a star. Levi Wallace was targeted four times in this game, allowed one catch for five yards, and had a big breakup, or at least not a big breakup, excuse me. He was blanketing the coverage on a fourth down stop they had late in the game. Levi Wallace quietly a very good game in, in this one. Cole Holcomb, he was on on pace to have a good game until that un, very unfortunate injury. I think that was uh, just that, that, that was just terrible for him, and you wish the best for him. But man, that was uh, that was that was very untimely there. But and he, for him, because and for the Steelers, because he was really, I thought he was really turning a corner with the linebacker. We'll get more on them later. Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward, both I thought were solid up front the defense not not game records but very solid dan moore jr i gave one star he wasn't great in this game but he was good he, he wasn't a huge problem and in fact he was an asset i think when they got to the ground game i also gave keanu neal a star in this game because i thought he was helping in the run and sure he gave up some receptions but he wasn't the liability that he had been in previous games and i thought he was more of an asset uh to what the steelers are doing also on special teams boswell and harvin uh both get a star harvin averaging 50 yards per punt boswell making these only two kicks but my last one star grade is Kenny Pickett I didn't give him two stars but one star when you when you come back like that and you don't commit any turnovers you get a star in my book Alan do you have any any gripes here with my grades I got no gripes I like to call on Keanu Neal especially considering no Minka Fitzpatrick right he needed yes. to step up the team needed him to step up and he did uh, not splash or not flashy from Larry Ogunjobi and Cam Hayward but remember who's running the ball on the other side I will take solid and dependable in that kind of game against a player like Derrick Henry. It's exactly what the Steelers got from their defensive line. And great call on Levi Wallace. You know, I think that's a player that people have kind of written off, and I thought he had an outstanding game. Uh, really, I mean, you didn't hear from Traylon Burks all game. That was kind mm -hmm. of his guy. And uh, I think they've got something there with those mix of the three corners that they can figure it out. And, and I think, you know, they're all players, and, and they can all be usable players for them going forward. Two stars and three star grades coming up right after this. Is your favorite player on the list? Find out by sticking here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but first, we gotta we gotta remind you this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. And right now, new customers can get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with with any winning $5 money line bet right now, go to FanDuel Sportsbook, download as an app on your phone, or go to the website FanDuel.com and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on for this offer. And you can get 150 bucks if your team 
wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. It's about on spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So right now, go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to, to get in on the, all the NFL action and NBA and NHL action right there on FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. You won't want to miss any of the action. Again, it's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We're back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Alan Saunders of SteelersNow.com. Alan, let's get going on these grades here. Now, this might be the most two-star grades I've given on a single game this season. And let's see if you agree with me on some of these. Leading off here, I got Joey Porter Jr. I thought he played extremely well against DeAndre Hopkins. Sure, the penalties were a factor, but man, anytime you make anytime you cover him 26 times in the game, he only has one catch for 17 yards. You did a pretty good job. That's DeAndre Hopkins uh, and Joey Porter Jr. And, and I like this swagger after the game, too. We can get we can talk about that in a bit. But other two-star guys here. I got both the other linebackers, Landon Roberts, Quan Alexander. Landon Roberts, a big factor in keeping Derrick Henry in check. Quan Alexander was solid there as well, but also had the game-clinching interception. Broderick Jones, Isaac Sayomalu, Mason Cole, all getting two-star grades in my book. I thought Mason Cole was very solid in pass protection and was decent in the run game. Sayomalu and Jones... Both got active in the run game, and I thought they were a big factor in clearing out space. Other guys here, they got two-star grades. Deontay Johnson for his performance, getting open, making plays, his touchdown, and uh, the the, 30, the 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 bomb he caught from Kenny Pickett, that was pretty solid. Jalen Warren with his, with averaging eight yards per carry on 11 carries, I thought he played pretty well. My one reason I docked Najee one one more stuff is he had a, he had a drop in open space. I thought that was that was certainly something to account for. And my my final two-star grade here, safety. DeMonte KZ, who was solid as well. When we talked about Mika Fitzpatrick being a guy that you gotta um that, that, that you gotta replace and find a replace for. Joey Porter Jr. pointed right to DeMonte KZ and said that guy kept this in line all night. His communication skills were huge. That plus he was pretty solid on the field as well. Uh Alan, what are your thoughts on some of my two-star grades here? Love the linebackers, man. Much like the safety position when Cole Holcomb went down, you could just sort of see right at the end of the second quarter there, things were kind of getting unsettled. Those two guys, veteran guys, locked it down. They were awesome the rest of the way. Great that the DBs dropped two interceptions, and then Quan Alexander's like, fine, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> clamps the pick to win the game. Uh, Love that game from those guys. Deontay Johnson has been great since he's been back from the injury in, in every game. But, you know, to get back in the end zone, obviously a big deal for him. I thought Jalen Warren ran really hard and, and was a big factor. Loved Demonte Casey's communication. The one thing I'll say about the offensive line is that I thought these guys were good, but that's not a very good Tennessee front either. Like, mm. I just I, – I would kind of – great on a curve a little bit compared to some of the other defenses we've seen not the worst not the biggest challenge in the world i expected them to be able to beat them up a little bit up front they did so maybe that's just my expectations factoring in there probably wouldn't have been so wouldn't have been so uh loose with the stars on the offensive line i thought they were all good um but maybe not three two-star guys but i'm probably splitting hairs here 
Well, let's get to the three stars here because you're probably not going to agree with my, one of my three stars because there's one more offensive lineman, sir, and that's Mr. James Daniels. I thought he deserved three stars. I, when I looked back at it, I thought he was the best in pass protection and also the best in run protection. I thought he was he was really showing why they signed him last year uh, and, and brought him in. I thought he was a, a serious asset there on the offensive line. I mean, I thought he was good, I, and I agree that he was the best of the offensive linemen. I just think we've got too many stars on offense for a unit that only scored 20 points. This is um, true. I agree with that. And and I think against a not very good defense. Hey, hey, I and agree. Especially, like, that secondary is I actually think Tennessee's defensive front is pretty good, especially Jeffrey Simmons. I actually think Simmons that's what – that's good. Autry's like a – serviceable pro Landry. Landry solid there's nobody over there that really scares you though like that and their okay. linebackers aren't very good at all uh I I, I just think I, I agree that Daniels is the best of the offensive lineman Watt and Highsmith they're my other three stars by the way it's, <laughs> it's tough to uh it's tough to poke holes in their game right now those those two guys are playing quite well I mean when, when you look at these 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 numbers Alan it is it is just ridiculous how they continue to get to get after guys in this game. Total pressures. Alex Highsmith had 10. 10. TJ Watt had seven. That's 17 times in a game they pressured the quarterback. Like that's by themselves. That's not even including Keanu Benton and Larry Larry Ogunjobi, who each had three among themselves. And then times they sent corner blitzes like Shannon Sullivan and other guys like that. Like that is dominant. I think there was a stat released that there are two players in the NFL right now that have four games with seven pressures or more in those four games. One is Michael Parsons. The other is Alex Highsmith. And as great as TJ Watt is right now, Alex Highsmith deserves to be in the discussion. And we saw the, the huge contract that Montez Sweat got after he was traded to the Chicago Bears. And Montez Sweat, a good player, not a great player, but a good player, getting that money makes Alex Highsmith's contract look so much better, especially when you see how well Highsmith gets after the quarterback. Three sacks, eight tackles, three tackles for a loss, mm -hmm. and seven quarterback hits between Jeez. the two edge rushers. That's – and, and what did you say, 17 pressures? I mean, yeah. that's, that's as good as you can do it. In a game where against a team that doesn't even throw the ball that much. Yeah. Like, like against the team that would be happy handing the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times. They were awesome. And it wasn't just that either. You saw TJ uh sniffing out screens to Ty J Spears. I you know, we saw him stringing out run plays and making Derrick Henry take things wide, even mm -hmm. when they're not being statistically dominant, they're impacting the game. As good as anyone is doing it right now at that position. I, I agree. They're the best edge rusher duo in the in the NFL. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it all year. Uh, because until, until someone proves me proves me wrong, they continue to impact gains. But those were our stars and skulls grades. Lots of stars, very few skulls. But hey, that's what happens when you, when you, when you deliver winning performance. And ultimately, not a whole bunch of crazily bad mistakes on the Steelers' part. I got to ask you this this last question here. Alan, because this is a question that's been on my mind and like I kind of like have my answer, but I think that fans will be interested to hear more discussion on this for all the missed throws that Kenny Pickett has 
And he has, and we, we, I talked about this after the game, and that's why he got a one star grade was because he he missed a lot of a lot of throws and not not tough throws, but very convertible. Like you should hit this this wide open guy that's right in front of you type of throws for all those missed throws. How does he only have one interception in the last six games? Is that decision making? Is that luck? Is it all of the above? Like what what is going into it that's allowing him to help protect the football even when he makes all those mistakes? Well, I think some of it is luck. I mean, they've dropped a couple, right? I mean, there's been yeah. a couple. There's been a couple clangs from from the other side. So I think there's some luck. Also, he's got some pretty short-handed receivers, and you know, a lot of interceptions are just tip balls, right? And there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, we're not seeing balls go off the hands of Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and go up for grabs and, and go the other way. I think that you know, I don't think Kenny Pickett is generally an inaccurate quarterback. He was missing some throws in that game, and. Like there were people on on Twitter saying like, oh, this is just who he is. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't really buy that. I don't think he's an inaccurate quarterback. I think he's had sporadic decision making this year, and, and that's just part of the learning curve of a young quarterback a lot of times. But I don't think he's inaccurate. Now his deep ball, like like the one to Calvin Austin, right? Like that's something that you can look back at the tape and see. Like even as a young player, even as a, even as a college player. Maybe his deep ball is not like the most accurate thing in the world, but like that crosser to George Pickens where he sails it over his head. There was another one in the first quarter too, and I can't remember who it was too, uh, where it was just like two feet high and, and rifled. I'm like, those are unusual misses to me as a guy who's watched Kenny Pickett for a long time. Maybe the ribs were bothering him. I don't know. We saw it also crop up in that 49ers game. So it's not like I can say it doesn't ever happen, but that's not the norm for me when I'm looking at his performance. Uh, I'm more concerned about his decision-making, about finding the open guy. And there's certainly plenty I can nitpick about that in this game too. I'm not saying that was all perfect. I just think if you're looking at his development and where it needs to go, I'm not worried about him missing a couple passes. To me, that's not the concern. It's the you know making the offense move the way it's supposed to move and finding the open guy. If he can solve that problem, the rest of it will take care of itself. I hear you on that. We'll see how that continues here as the week rolls on. The Steelers are back at the facility Monday uh, today. Uh, we'll we'll oh, see what oh, happens sorry. there. He bounced the pass to Allen Robinson in the end zone. Yes. Okay, and – Connor, Connor Hayward, Hayward is wide, wide open. open in the For middle touchdown. of the field, right? I have a far more like the problem there is throwing it to Allen Robinson. It's not that it was wasn't a very good throw. Like, mm -hmm. take care of the first problem first. I, I agree. I agree. If he sees the field better, it'll help. It'll help in a lot more in those situations. Uh, and it's not the first time that he's missed Connor Hayward in the end zone because it's happened quite a lot. I think he has a problem seeing his tight ends in general. Maybe he's locking on to his top two receivers. I'm not entirely certain. Maybe Connor could like, I don't know, grow his hair out or something to be more visible. <laughs> like his hair already isn't grown out enough. <laughs> Just like a full on sideshow bob, like oh my coming God. out of the cracks of his no. Helmet. Please don't do that, Connor Hayward. No, no, but nobody needs that right now. Please don't listen to Alan Saunders. He's crazy. He's Alan Saunders, though. You can find him at SteelersNow.com. Alan, thanks so much for joining us here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let me know they can find you. Follow you and get more of your work. SteelersNow.com, Steelers Afternoon Drive podcast, me, Smitty, and sometimes Chris Carter on uh, YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, that's it. 
Absolutely. He's Alan Saunders. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at, I guess, at Carter Critiques. I already said that already. Apologies. Uh, but as always, you can find me here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast, on your favorite podcasting apps, and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes. If you want to help the show out, raise five stars with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps us out. Otherwise, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more talk on your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. 